0: Success leaves clues, and in the Humans of Imperial podcast, we search for those clues in the stories of our alumni around the world. I'm Chris Roberts, and this week I met up with Tina Chen, the founder and CTO, that's short for Chief Tea Officer, of Humanity, a socially conscious drinks company that specializes in plant-based and ethically sourced tea, that is. After studying for an MBA in 2018, Tina made a career switch from IT to just tea, and she hasn't looked back since. Here's what you can hear in this week's episode.
1: So I'm Chief Tea Officer of Humanity, and I was inspired by my Taiwanese-American heritage to develop these drinks that are inspired by bubble tea, which is originally from Taiwan. So we are a limited company, but we have a mission log, and the mission log is to support well-being and sustainability initiatives and to uh, make sure we don't have additives and we focus on ethical sourcing and recyclable packaging. And then it was also a really good way to connect with the consumers and build a community. So people started following on social media and the engagement is still quite high from people that I've met in person because they've met me as a founder and they feel closer to the product development journey than someone who's never met me and that was really a wake-up call because that hurt when I burned myself and also because I was so tired I wasn't thinking clearly so uh, I didn't like put enough cold water and actually the next day I still went training for the whole day and it was still really painful I actually walked to uh, the emergency, just like A&E, and they're like, oh, it's like a second-degree burn. Like, you should have come in earlier. You should have put more water. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, good to know. <laughs> so after that, I stopped doing the, the late-night shifts. But I think if you are very passionate about what you do, then you won't uh, quit because you'll keep on going, even during the difficult times.
0: So grab yourself a cup of eh? humanity if you have it, and buckle in for my conversation with Tina Chen. Thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Why don't we start with an introduction and maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you here today. So I'm Chief Tea Officer of Humanity and I was inspired by my Taiwanese-American heritage to develop These drinks that are inspired by bubble tea, which is originally from Taiwan. And I wanted to tackle two major problems when I was looking into the drink industry. And one of the main causes of obesity is due to sugary soft drinks. And another issue I found is that one in six people in the UK suffer from mental health issues due to stress from work. So I wanted to create a beverage, a tea beverage, that would encourage people to take tea breaks to find mindfulness. And then our drinks now are made with oat milk and a bit of agave and ethically sourced tea. And currently we have two flavors, a matcha flavor and an earl grey flavor. And we use oat milk because oat milk is one of the most eco-friendly milks available in terms of both emissions and water usage.
0: Just mm, for that. Uh, we're going to go into all of that. I know you brought some tea in with you, so we're going to try that a little bit later on too. Uh, I'm really keen to hear your story and kind of your background as well. So if you don't mind, if we can kind of rewind a little bit. Uh, you joined Imperial in 2017, is that right?
1: Yeah, so I did my full-time MBA here from 2017 mm-hmm. to 2018.
0: Okay, well, let's go a little bit further back as well. Um, Could you talk us through your career pre-Imperial, so kind of how you got to the point that you decided you want to do your MBA?
1: Sure, so I was born in Taiwan and I grew up in Los Angeles. And I did my undergraduate degree at UCLA where I was doing business economics. And I also joined some clubs around entrepreneurship. So Mm. at that age, around 18, I was interested in startups. But uh, after I graduated from my UCLA degree. I wanted to get into a corporate job first and build mm-hmm. up that experience those soft skills working in a large corporate And so I joined Accenture and I was working as a IT consultant for three years working across various industries and I really enjoyed my time there actually um, because I got to go into many industries work with many different types of people mm-hmm. and build up those uh, skill sets and then after working for a few years, I wanted to do an MBA at Imperial because Imperial is a very good university for innovation. And that was an area that I wanted to get into. And they also have courses around sustainability and social impact. So that really uh, triggered my interest in applying for MBA at Imperial. And so I decided to move across the pond and then started my experience at Imperial in 2017.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, I think a lot of the listeners kind of students who are hopefully going to listen to this podcast, they, they come to Imperial and their goal is to go somewhere like Accenture, and you've kind of done it around, you at Accenture. Was the plan from your point of view always to start a business, or did you arrive at Imperial, kind of options open, see where it goes?
1: I did have some options open at the beginning, mm-hmm. but after one or two months, I felt like I wanted to start a business, and that is something I, that I wanted to do for a long time since my undergraduate degree and I felt like the courses I was taking and especially with the support of the Enterprise Lab at Imperial College that there was a lot of opportunities here Mm. to help me become a founder and a lot of support networks especially for female founders as well at the Enterprise Lab so I felt like I was receiving a lot of support Mm. and the network was very uh, amazing so uh, that drove me to start my own business
0: Mm. That's really good to hear. Why an MBA?
1: Why MBA? That's a good question because I think a lot of people feel like MBA is the next step after working in corporate and for me, uh, especially in the US, it's very common to do an MBA after working for a few years and I wanted to also study in London uh, at Imperial and I felt like London is a very vibrant city and it's a good place to start a business and there's uh, lots of opportunities and like the diversity is so strong especially for a uh, product like ours where mm-hmm. it's inspired by Taiwanese uh, bubble tea and there's a lot of diversity here and people are willing to try new products so mm-hmm. I felt like it's a just a good location and I really like London mm-hmm. and so it made me want to do a MBA here mm-hmm. yeah
0: was it always the plan to come to the UK did you explore kind of around uh, why Imperial I know you said you wanted to travel to London but why specifically Imperial was there something about it that caught your eye
1: yeah I think it was during the student um, experience weeks at the beginning Mm -hmm. when they tried to tell you about Imperial. And I spoke with a few of the recruitment teams that were bringing on new students. And everyone was just very friendly. It didn't feel like a mm, kind of a hostile environment at all, which I have heard from other Mm -hmm. (laughs) business schools seem to be a bit more competitive or like cutthroat. And there's less of like commodity. Uh, and then I just felt like everyone was very friendly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I decided to do my MBA, I met the program team, I just felt like it was home for me versus my experience at some other universities.
0: Mm. What were the highlights of your MBA? I mean. I'm kind of interested as well, obviously you've gone on, you went through a few different programs with Enterprise Land, we'll talk about those kind of things too, uh, but you've gone and started your own business and you know you're doing really well. Are there What were the highlights of your MBA first of all and are there any things that you kind of studied in your MBA that are still with you now, kind of things that you still use you think to this day?
1: Yeah I think for me the network was really important because mm. Imperial has a huge network uh, across the world and it's not just the business school there's also the greater college mm-hmm. and i think the combination of having both the business school and also the college mm-hmm. like allows more innovation to happen between like a business side and the science side and for collaborations to occur. That That's why there's so many startups mm. out of Imperial.
0: Do you know there really are? I've been doing yeah, this podcast um, for a while. <laughs> yeah, I've been recording interviews. There are so many entrepreneurs from Imperial. And the network thing has come up like in every episode that we've done. And I know we're going to talk about it in more detail, too. Uh, and I keep saying that. But network seems to be this huge thing that people get from Imperial. Is it just a case of you know, you're with people in this kind of melting pot for a year, and you're really close, and you're all going through the same stresses? Um, what do you think it is about that network that that is so good here?
1: Yeah, so for me, like in my course, I had people from all over the world. So mm. some people from Asia, uh, across Europe, US, and I keep in touch with them. So, mm. for example, I went back to Taiwan uh, over Christmas this year and I met up with my uh, cohort from Taiwan mm. and we caught up just like it was back in our <laughs> MBA days and same with my a uh, friend from Japan that I also met with um, who also studied in the same MBA program as me. And actually, um, I know we'll t- probably talk about it later, but I did a trade mission mm. to Japan and he helped me out during that trade mission because mm. I don't speak Japanese and a lot of the people there um, prefer to speak in Japanese when doing business, obviously, mm. because it's Japan. And so um, he took time out of his Basically, work day and like Mm. family time to help me uh, go to the embassy, the British embassy in Tokyo to Mm. attend an event and and translate for me. So I thought that was really kind. And that was all through like the power of Mm. network and the feeling that we belong into the imperial community, Mm. even after graduation, um, we graduated in 2018. So even Mm. after five years since Mm -hmm. graduation,
0: you were part of the We Innovate program. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, so the We Innovate program is organized by the Imperial Enterprise Lab, and that supports females uh, who want to start businesses. So there's a lot of workshops and also opportunity to network amongst the different uh, founders, and also they bring in investors so you can meet with investors. But some of the workshops I remember are like branding workshops, pitching workshops, so just pretty much like the highlights of the skills that you would need to start a business
2: mm. and it's
1: completely free of charge and then uh, as you go on there's different uh, stages so mm. the first stage um after that first stage then you pitch again and if you make it to the second stage it's a smaller cohort so i didn't make it to round two and then after round two they pick several companies mm. to pitch for uh, funding mm. i didn't make it to the last round okay. but the whole experience was uh, really rewarding and the enterprise lab has helped me over the years especially when i needed to apply for a graduate entrepreneur visa after i graduated mm. so they did the sponsorship for that so mm. uh, i was able to uh, get two years of graduate entrepreneur mm. visa after yeah.
0: graduating that's what we've kind of we mentioned we we're going to talk about but if you don't mind i'm going to ask you about it. what's that process like is it straightforward is it Is it kind of, is it a stressful process having to apply for your your visas and things like that?
1: Mm, I think because I have a U.S. passport Mm. and I do need a visa to stay here, it is a bit of a process. So, versus people who I guess have EU or definitely leave to remain um, Mm. status. So, yes, like currently I need to apply for another visa next year. So I'm already Mm. looking into that uh, application process, but uh, for the Graduate Entrepreneur Visas, it is more or less straightforward. You need to have a, like a business plan,
2: mm-hmm.
1: from what I remember, and uh, make sure that you have your like, problem solution and your like, uh, go-to-market strategy, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but for Imperial, specifically, they were the endorsing body, so it helps to have a university
2: mm-hmm.
1: support your application. Because it shows that the credibility that there is like an institution um, supporting you. And basically, for that, we had to prepare a PowerPoint presentation and pitch that to the Enterprise Lab team. And then they decide if they will endorse the visa or not.
0: Okay. So, you, say you, need, you need to have a sort of strategy plan in place to be able to go for that visa. And when you joined, you were sort of keeping your options open at the start of your MBA. And you joined, you tried to go on the We Innovate program as well. At what point did humanity kind of start coming to mind? Did you start forming that idea?
1: Yeah, so during the We Innovate program, I actually was working on another idea. So it was a Ooh. biodegradable nappy. Okay. So I was curious about like sustainability and how we can reduce waste and send less waste to landfill. And so this concept of like a biodegradable nappy sounded mm. like a really good idea because I saw that Like tons of uh, nappies were going to landfill every year and uh, the carbon emissions from that. Uh, But then I realized that I didn't have the material science knowledge to develop Mm. that. And at that time I wanted to be able to create a product that I could use just my own skill sets since I didn't have a co-founder or a team. Mm. And food and drink is something that I'm really passionate about. So I said, why not? Tea, and especially because my name is Tina, and I love drinking tea, <laughs> and uh, bubble tea is from Taiwan, and I grew mm. up with that, so it's something that I was passionate about, and mm. so I actually came up with that after I graduated.
0: So, I do love bubble tea, man. <laughs> I do really like bubble tea. Yeah,
1: I do drink a lot of iced tea, bubble tea, and yes. So, so we talk
0: us through talk us to humanity. You mentioned a bit about how you kind of came to the idea of what you wanted to do. Um, tell us more about it.
1: Yeah, sure. So. I really wanted to create a product that had no additives and was low-sugar, low-calorie. So when it came to sourcing at the beginning, uh, I actually went to a few different matcha farms in Japan to find which uh, matcha company I like the most. And the one that we work with now, I'm very happy with, they do organic matcha, and they have a really nice factory in Shizuoka in Japan. And then for the Earl Grey, it is... Uh, black tea sourced from Rwanda and the company we work with is a German company and they uh, work with these Rwandan farms and the tea itself is Fairtrade organic certified Mm. And then oat milk, why oat milk? Because uh, oat milk is actually also really good for people who are vegan or lactose intolerant So we wanted to be able to also include as many people so that they can enjoy our beverage and so that's um, some of the reasons why we chose those ingredients. Mm.
0: You've got quite a strong mission behind the company as well, haven't you? Can you talk us through through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so when I first started, uh, I set up the business as a mm. social enterprise. So we are a limited company, but we have a mission lock,
2: mm. And the
1: mission lock is to support wellbeing and sustainability initiatives and mm. to uh, make sure we don't have additives and we focus on ethical sourcing mm. and recyclable packaging. And so that's in our mission log. So even if we uh, sell on to other companies in the future, mm. uh, the purpose will always be there in the business model.
0: Mm. The sustainability and, and things like that. And can kind of you talk about this mission? Is that something that you're really passionate about, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think we have to be, uh, especially in today's day and age, when we know that
2: mm.
1: uh, climate change is obviously real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And there's a lot of... Uh, government resources available and people are really pushing towards net zero and mm. um, all the sustainability Development goals that people are working on so mm. I think as a business and a business owner We have a lot of control over what we can do for the environment as mm. uh, by sourcing more ethically and by focusing on recycling mm. and how we can reduce emissions so I think mm. that's important, and I think more and more businesses are looking into that, and that's why you see people also um, getting into like B Corp or like uh, social enterprise mm. communities because they want to be part of this network.
0: Mm. You you mentioned health as well as a part of it too.
1: Health, uh, yeah. So because a lot of the sugary soft drinks mm. include also iced tea beverages, and it's just pretty much a. Uh, like a flavor, like a peach flavor, a lemon flavor mm. and a lot of sugar mm. and it doesn't really have the tea. So that's why we brew the tea um, actually using tea leaves in like a big vat. And mm. we brew it in the UK as well, up in Newcastle. And so that's where everything is made and then the oatmeal milk is blended in there as well. Uh, so yeah, I think having a drink that is not so sugary is better for the mm. health and also, uh, taking tea breaks is good for our well-being. So that's where the mm. mental health and like physical health comes into play.
0: I had no idea it was brewed New- in. I'm from the northeast. Oh, you like are. New- okay. I am <laughs> from Newcastle. I'm actually from a place called Jarrow, which is near Newcastle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah where in Newcastle? Uh,
1: so it's in a small area mm-hmm. uh, outside of Newcastle where they have mm. all the factories. But yeah, around around Newcastle area.
0: Cool. You caught my attention with that <laughs> <one>. Okay, <clears throat> so you mentioned at the very start that you're a chief tea officer. So my question is, what on earth is a chief tea officer?
1: Yeah, it was kind of a funny thing because you see uh, businesses, they usually have like CEO, COO, mm. CTO. So I said, why not CTO?
0: <laughs> no, I love it. I'm and
1: because I used to work in IT consulting, I said, oh, that kind of funny because I used to work in IT, and now mm. I've moved into tea. <laughs> and then, Chief T Officer happens to just fit CTO. Mm. I know some other founders who have like different uh, food and drink companies, for example, mm. peanut butter or like beer, and they'll just say like chief peanut officer, you know. But mm. CTO happens to <laughs> to fit in. It's
2: very yeah. true. It's very
0: true. <laughs> I'm on board. I like it. So I mean, I'm really interested in your journey as a founder. It's, it's been a couple of years, I think, now since you finished your MBA and you've been working on Humanity. Can you? Talk us through a little bit what your journey's been like over the last couple of years. I'm I'm thinking we might have students who who are on this year's MBA, for example, who are listening to the podcast, they're interested in maybe starting their own business. Can you give them an insight into what it's like as a founder?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I first started uh, back in December 2018 when I incorporated the business, but then we didn't start trading until March uh, 2019. And I was uh, developing the recipe in my friend's kitchen at first. <laughs> and then eventually moved into a commercial scale factory and uh, kitchen, I mean. And that's where we were producing the products that I made by hand. And I would sell those to farmers markets. Okay. So I was selling in farmers markets, uh, like Borough Market and Chelsea Market for one year. And it was really good to get feedback from customers because I would sample there and I would get feedback and then next week I can change the recipe because I was still making it by hand, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's like less sugar, uh, sweeter, less sweet or more creamy. So it was a good way to basically have an MVP but adjust the, the recipe over time. And then it was also a really good way to connect with the consumers and build a community. So people started following on social media and the engagement is still quite high from people that I've met in person because they've met me as a founder and they feel closer to the product development journey than someone who's never met me. So I think that's a good way to get started. And actually I got the idea of doing uh, farmer's markets instead of going to factory production straight away because I did a business coaching session with a business coach Mm. at Imperial Enterprise Lab. Uh, called David, and then through that, I decided to go to um, farmers markets before going to factory production. So mm-hmm. that was the first step. And then after doing that for one year, then uh, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I had started already a crowdfunding campaign that I had launched through CrowdFunder. Mm-hmm. And that was through a program called NatWest Backer Business and basically that was, was providing some match funding. And then at the end of the crowdfunding campaign, we raised over 13K from over 120 supporters. And yeah, it was obviously a difficult time to crowdfund and a lot of people dropped out as well because they didn't want to crowdfund during COVID. But since I already had the page launched, I thought, why not just go through with it and see how it goes. And I was very happy um, that people were still very supportive during this like difficult mm-hmm. time. And a lot of the people who funded our crowdfunder campaign were weak ties actually. Mm-hmm. So people that I had met through um, like programs and networking events, and like people from Imperial and people from my previous jobs. So yeah, it was a lot of like weak ties, like through LinkedIn messaging and also LinkedIn posts, WhatsApp groups and we were able to raise that amount. And with that amount of money, we went to factory production. So in October 2020, we had our first batch produced. And then in November, uh, we started selling online. I developed the online shop. And then since January 2021, we've been selling into supermarkets in the UK. And we now have around, uh, around 60 stores that we're selling into. And then we launched it to Ocado, which was our first like large supermarket um, with reach throughout the UK last March. And then most recently, the most exciting news is that we got into the co-op, uh, incubator program called the Apiary and that just started uh, last week. And basically in October, we'll be able to launch our products into around a hundred co-op stores as a trial. And from there, after the six-month trial, uh, we'll have the opportunity to see if we'll be able to launch uh, into
2: Mm.
1: more co-op stores and become a permanent listing. So it is a six-month program. Mm. So hopefully uh, we'll impress the co-op team and we'll be able to stay on.
0: Mm. So the message there is for listeners, go and buy some and (laughs) go to co-op and find it. Yeah, go to co-op and find some from October. (laughs) I want to ask you about the challenges that you faced as well, because these kind of things are never straightforward. Um, although it sounds like you've kind of risen quickly, to be honest. It hasn't been too many years, and you're already uh, doing great selling in stores and, and involved in these things. Um, what would you say some of the biggest challenges you faced are? I'd read that when you first started production that like you lost a pallet of tea. Is that right?
1: Yes. So there were a few challenges mm. along the way. So the first challenge was when I trademarked. So. Mm. I trademarked first as Mighty, and then I got a trademark opposition for that and like a mm. cease and desist letter from a large conglomerate, even before I had a product. So mm. I was a bit shocked to have their lawyers contact me. Yeah,
0: What's that feel like when you get a letter like that?
1: Um, so <laughs> I wasn't the sure panic. what to do. Like- yeah, I was a bit panicked, um, mm. but luckily I was able to get people from the enterprise lab, like the mm. lawyers that support the enterprise Enterprise lab companies to mm. provide some pro bono help for me, and uh, they were very kind. And from there, I basically wrote w- uh, with the lawyers of that big conglomerate, and eventually we reached a coexistence agreement. But that was mm. only two years later. So every few two months, yes. Yeah, so every few months, I would just yeah. respond to their email, yeah. and then they would respond, and then I would respond. Oh <laughs> but it God. went over a course like, of two years. <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's a long time. That's a long time. Judgment. And yeah,
1: I, in, the, in the meantime, I also changed the name. So now, mm. instead of my tea, it's called Humanity.
2: Mm.
1: And I do have the trademark for that. Mm. And so that was the first challenge. And then the second challenge, like you mentioned, was the challenge around the, the whole palette of tea being lost. Mm. So the logistics company that I used lost it. And obviously, it was very troubling time because I had the production date mm. already scheduled. And luckily, I had my mentor, uh, Sam, who I met through the British Library Mentoring Program. And he was able to help me calm down and just uh, mm-hmm. think outside of the box. And he said, why don't you reach out to the owner of this logistics company and see what mm-hmm. they can do? Because basically, I was calling the Deadpool uh, every day, and they were sometimes laughing at me, which I really did not appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like, oh, this girl is calling again. And... Uh, they just couldn't find the palette, and Mm. they just kept on saying oh well you have to wait because we're searching for it so we're not going to give you any money if we find it but i was like i can't keep on waiting right because Mm. i have the deadline and it takes about two months for the new tea to arrive Mm. and so uh, at the end i decided to order a new palette. And so, um, the production was delayed because I did wait a bit before ordering. Mm. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, by reaching out to the owner of the... the um, logistics company, they were able to refund me half of the cost of the pallet, Mm. which is not ideal, but at least some was uh, Mm. refunded, and the production still went on, um, but just a bit delayed. So that was the second one, yeah. And the third one was when I was... uh, selling at farmer's market, and I was basically trying to use as least uh, amount of money as possible. So I was mm. renting the commercial kitchen uh, from midnight to 6 a.m. And that was half price. But it was not good for my, like, physical and mental health because mm. you can imagine, I was not sleeping. And then the next day, I would go to the farmer's market at, like, 9 a.m. Mm. and then sell there until 6 p.m. How pretty much like
2: that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was pretty much like that
1: uh, after that uh session of selling in farmer's market so i was doing that for almost a year so that was really bad and now
0: hmm? a year yeah yeah
1: yeah but making tea all
0: night and then <laughs> but, sell it during the day but
1: not every day it was only for right. weekends but still it was like kind of my weekends were ruined for like a, yeah, a yeah. year and so uh Yeah, it was really bad because uh, one day, I actually burned myself with hot water while I was Mm -hmm. making the tea. And that was really a wake-up call because that hurt when I burned Mm -hmm. myself. And also because I was so tired, I wasn't thinking clearly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I didn't like put enough cold water. Mm -hmm. And actually the next day, I still went training for the whole day and it was Mm -hmm. still really painful. So I actually, walked to uh, the emergency, just like A and E, and they're like, oh, it's like a second degree burn. Like you should have come in earlier. You should have put more water. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I stopped doing the the late night mm-hmm. shifts, and I think yeah, I need to be more like my my motto on my cans, which is me time, tea time, anytime. So mm-hmm. yeah, focus on myself. Take take time for myself. Take tea yeah. break. And now uh, actually, I don't. Uh, I try not to work on weekends, mm. so I usually don't work on weekends, and I find time for myself. And uh, it's important to to just like find that mindfulness and
0: stuff. Mm. I quite like that. You've kind of kind of gone full circle in the journey of kind of what yeah. you're saying your tea is about and, <laughs> as well. Like, I can't help but think that there'll be, you'll be on another podcast in like 10 years from now, and one of the really big podcasts that loads of people listen to, and you'll be talking about how, you know, you work through the night, and then you didn't, and people will be like, why would you, and I was the first person you told this to on a podcast. It's such a good story. It's so good. Um, okay, so your network. You've mentioned it a few times already. You've obviously got your Imperial network. You've got kind of a business side network. How important has your network been? over the last few years and kind of building your product, getting your product off the ground and getting to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I think it's been very key. Um, like I said, building community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I like my use of tea puns. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, building my community has been really useful for growing my brand awareness as well. So mm. now we have over like 30k, like following across all social media platforms, mm-hmm. which I think helps with uh, brand awareness and like people purchasing the products through Ocado or Co-op, these and independent stores that we're stocked in. Mm. But more than that is, for example, just at the beginning with the crowdfunding campaign, for example, one of the person who donated the most was from a program that I joined, Mm. like food and drink innovation course. And it's very kind and um, has been very supportive along the way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just like these weak ties that have been really powerful in the journey. And uh, even these days, I, I love going to networking events, so mm-hmm. founder events, um, and also food and drink related events. Mm-hmm. And I've met people, like other founders along the way, and we help each other out. So whenever we have questions, as we're in a similar stage of our business journey, and yeah, it's just been really great. And there's also like female founder ones, mm-hmm. uh, Asian founder one. So there's so many different groups and it's just really amazing to be part of these different groups. And uh, everyone comes together for like food every so often or just uh, get together for drinks. And yeah, it's like, I think it's very important in, um, in as a part of starting a business. And for example, some of the programs that I'm in now, um, they're through like award applications. So if you apply for award, Then And if you get the awards, then they also shout about you. So really great PR opportunities. So one of that is uh, Small Business Britain, Mm -hmm. and they have a few different awards under Small Business Britain that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're also a really good community to be a part of. And also Virgin Startup is a really good one. They Mm -hmm. do a lot of uh, founder events that are free of charge. Mm -hmm. So those are just a few. And especially for food and drink, there's bread and jam and bread and jam uh, they organize uh, one of the largest food and drink festivals and you get to pitch to uh, retailers as well so and they also have free networking events Mm. so yeah quite a few different (laughs) events that you can join especially in london because london's so big and there's always events going on yeah
0: that's really cool i mean i've been involved in these kind of Ecosystems might not be the right word for what I'm talking about, but there are networking events that cover pretty much all sectors, really, and all different things you might want to do. And for you, that was an entrepreneurship kind of ecosystem you're looking for. You wanted to connect with founders. But I think students listening to this, it's kind of no matter what you want to do, there are probably ecosystems, especially in a place like London, that you can start going to. And it's about meeting people, connecting with people, not necessarily asking for anything, just getting to know what they do, getting to know them as people, making friendships and kind of, I don't know, journeying together to where you're going to go. Does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so for example, sometimes I find events on Eventbrite. Mm. And then also on Meetup, there's events um, industry-focused. So there's like crypto meetups all the time mm. <laughs> that I see pop up. And yeah, so depending on what you're interested in, I'm sure mm. you can find a group, especially in such a big city like London.
0: I would say as well, when you're networking, it's not necessarily what you get right there and then in the room. It's what you get. like. weeks later when someone you met talks to somebody else and that person contacts you it's kind of that's how networking works it's not necessarily what you get right now it's what you get later that you would never expect
1: yeah definitely yeah i definitely had a few of those so Mm -hmm. i definitely agree with that
0: you reached out as well but you were just starting up to people on linkedin didn't you just try and get some kind of insights and advice is that right
1: yeah so i try to reach out to people who have been in the industry for a while so they're Mm -hmm. more established Because I know, for example, founders are always busy, so Mm -hmm. it's harder for them to meet up. So uh, by reaching out to some more established businesses uh, who had already a lot of experience and who had a big team, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they had some time to uh, share their journey. And that's what happened in the beginning. I just sent out a few requests on LinkedIn. And -hmm. then I also started going to events by Bread and Jam and uh, from there... um, met people who told mm. me about different programs. And one of the programs that I got into was the London um, LAFIC program. So it was Agri-Food Innovation Clinic by London South Bank University. And they provided uh, free like food testing uh, and as well as uh, helping us book a stand at Borough Market. So that mm. was through that program. And I only found out about that program through another lady who has a food business that I met at another event. So a lot Mm -hmm. of information was through word of mouth. And I found by going to more events, I gained more knowledge about what was going on. Mm. And yeah, because it's sometimes difficult to know where to start and what events are going on and which events Mm -hmm. are good to attend. So once you meet people who are very knowledgeable in this area, it's very useful. So now when I meet um, new people at events, I tell them, oh, like join the uh, Facebook group called the Food Hub, because there um, you can uh, search through the forums and see like questions that people have posted previously, and there's over 10,000 people on that platform, so mm. you can definitely find someone mm. to uh, ask questions and also to see what was already previously asked.
0: I love that as well, because people think business, and it's really competitive and people are fighting with each other and it's kind of competing all the time, but you're talking about entrepreneurs who are there and building each other up and supporting each other. And even if you're in kind of competition with each other, you're kind of telling people which ways to go and how they can make the most out of it and how they can find success. And I really like that. It feels like a really wholesome environment to be in.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think especially in food and drink, people are mm-hmm. very passionate about their food or drink item. It's like mm-hmm. a recipe from their grandpa or you mm-hmm. know, it's something that they just want to share with the world. Someone, something from their heritage so I found, like, meeting different food and drink founders, I learned more about that person as a founder as well. And it's not just uh, a business to make money. It's much more than that. It's a story that they want to share yeah. uh, with the world.
0: Mm. Humanity's kind of got a little bit global as well, hasn't it? With some of the trade missions you've been on over the last few, like, year or so, is it?
1: Yeah, so I've been to a few trade missions through the Department for International Trade. Mm. And the... First one I went to was in Dubai um, two years ago now. Actually, 2022, so a year ago. Mm. And that was uh, at Gulf Food. And I went to one of the breakfasts that uh, DIT organized. Mm. And I was able to meet with some buyers from Middle East. And I'm still in touch with those buyers. I uh, just need to <laughs> keep on following up mm. for these uh, type of things uh, especially with like export sometimes it takes a while
2: Mm.
1: so uh, but it was really great opportunity to make those collections like face to face with the buyers and distributors Mm. around Middle East and then I went to another one in Paris afterwards and that was in the British Embassy in Paris they wanted to showcase some uh, innovation in British products Mm. to the French market and then most recently I went to Japan in March um, to a food and drink show called Foodex and I was in Tokyo and there I also met a, a bunch of retailers, distributors, importers from mm. Japan and I am still speaking with them. So yeah, it's definitely been <laughs> a lot of back and forth. Uh, but the trade advisors from these different mm. uh, regions have also been very helpful. Uh, providing more information about the market and sending my details over to different retailers and distributors, exporters, mm. wholesalers. So um, how does it feel? it's been an exciting journey. <laughs> yeah, how does it
0: feel when you've you got this product that you were literally making through the night, burning yourself, yeah. waking up, going to Borough Market and place like that during the day. So you're up all night, you're up all day and you did that for I think you said a year. How does it feel? To have that product that you were selling like that and kind of running in that way then go into places like japan and paris how does it feel to kind of go from one side which feels like an extreme to the completely other extreme
1: yeah it's definitely very rewarding um to be able to see my growth and also because i am the founder and also the current, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the only employee hopefully we'll <laughs> employ some more people too but I get to see all the input mm. uh, and the output
2: mm. versus
1: working in a large company where I might be inputting but I'm not seeing the exactly the output or mm. what exactly happens at the end. So being able to see everything from beginning to end is really a rewarding. And another thing is um, getting feedback from customers mm. and how our product is important to them makes me feel mm. happy because uh, for example I got a review um, for our, our humanity from this lady, and she said she found out about our drinks after reading an article about us on BBC News. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically she has uh, allergy towards coffee.
2: Okay.
1: And I didn't really think people had like allergies towards coffee, but definitely people have allergies towards mm-hmm. coffee. And so she saw, Her friends were drinking a lot of like iced coffees and iced coffee drinks and cans and Mm -hmm. she just always felt left out And when she found our product, she was like, oh, this is like the same but Mm tea-based and uh, Also with oat milk, so she was very excited to try it and then she loved the products and she's been a fan Mm since and another thing was um, During our last production we had a few months where there was like some stock issues where um, the production was a bit delayed because mm. of all the like things going on in the world in the last few months. Uh, but basically uh, we had people emailing about us our products, when they would be ready, and mm. it came from like customers, um, so D2C as well as B2B customers. And it was like, oh wow, they actually really want the product, and they like, mm. oh, when will it be available? Like when will the production, be done. So having those like email interactions made me realize, mm. okay, I should, I need to continue producing <laughs> it because there's people who want the products, mm. and that to me, that's uh, pretty rewarding.
0: That's really nice. Cause that's the opposite end, isn't it? So like, you're making it through the night to try and sell it on a standard bar market. This is the complete opposite. You've got people coming to you yeah. asking you to make it because they want it. Mm-hmm. Like, and when are they going to get it? That must be really nice to get to that point.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> mm. And it, one thing I want to ask you about as well. You also sell it at Imperial. Kind of parts of Imperial, is that right? Yeah. How did that happen?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we were Imperial back in twenty eighteen, actually, mm. and I think Imperial was one of our first supporters. So yeah, we started selling there mm. uh, after it incorporated, so sometime in twenty nineteen, and we were selling uh, Plant Works, which is the vegan uh, canteen here at Imperial, and then the Enterprise Lab was also stocking it mm. in their. Uh, Enterprise lab space, mm. so to give out for free to other founders.
0: It's such a nice move yeah. It's such a supportive <laughs> move for like businesses that come from there.
1: Yeah, Imperial has been very supportive yeah. and they also order some ones for the Imperial College business school uh, Incoming students, mm. so they order like over 2,000 cans because there are a lot of students coming in mm. And so yeah, those were just a few few ways that Imperial has helped me along the way, and also inviting me to come back mm-hmm. and speak to the courses. And um, apparently, the they talk about me a lot in the full time MBA class because <laughs> I always have people say, "Oh, they use you as a case study for one of the courses." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's really that's mm-hmm. really nice that they use me as a case study." And um, so they kind of know about me and my product even before mm-hmm. like meeting me, and. Yeah, so for right now, we are stocked in the Imperial College Union shop, Mm -hmm. and that was uh, recently. So I went to the Imperial College Union shop, and I just explained to them what my product was Mm -hmm. and uh, that I'm an alumnus of Imperial College. And uh, yeah, the the team there were really happy to support, and they wanted Mm -hmm. to have our products there because they currently don't have any iced tea products like ours, mm. and they felt like um, the concept of bubble tea would be popular with the student body here. Mm. And so they decided to try out our products, and it's been selling well, and so they've been reordering. But yeah, uh, I think the college, Imperial College Union is very supportive, mm. uh, and they wanted to help like
2: mm.
1: previous students' um, products to, mm. to bring to current students. And so they like that story there. Mm. But yeah, hopefully we can also sell in the canteen again, but because of changes in the way um, the, the sourcing has
2: mm. come,
1: um, it's more difficult now. But hopefully, yeah, in the future mm. we can get back into the canteens as well.
0: It's quite nice. The way you framed that was that almost like you thought Imperial might be doing you a favor by stocking things, but actually I, I would argue it's the way around. <laughs> I would argue there's a the kind of way that entrepreneurs think where they look at their networks and they look at what's available to them and they can use that to try and help them make their business to succeed. So from my point of view, you've made that happen. And yes, someone at Imperial had to say yes, but actually I think there's a lot to be said for your mindset going in there as an entrepreneur to begin with and saying, here's my product, can we stock it? And then, you know, they've said yes.
1: Yeah, and same, like we're currently stocked in two offices Mm. and that was also because I had some friends that work in those offices. And they so yeah, you take taking yeah. Yeah. Your network. Yeah. But, but they did like the product, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it wasn't completely out of the blue. Yeah. They did like the product and because they're companies, they source products um, and they give it to free for the employees, so they can yeah. get the products for free. So it's like a win-win. Yeah. So they just told their ops team, like, can you please source this product? And, mm. then, uh, and then they sent me a picture. They're like, oh, it's in the fridge now. So I'm <laughs> like, oh, yay. <laughs>
0: The next question really Uh, is to ask you for advice for students. Like, what advice would you give students? But I'm going to say straight away that if someone's starting a business and they're creating a product, look at who you're already connected to. That kind of sounds like something you've done really successfully if it's in businesses, it's in offices, you went out to Market and you kind of used your network to get those places. It's that imperial somewhere that you studied. You've taken advantage of all those things. So I think before I even ask you for what your advice would be, (laughs) from what you've said, it's look at who you're already connected to and what you can begin to do already.
1: Yeah, yes, Mm. I definitely agree with that. Mm.
0: So, I'm a student, I'm kind of sitting in the classroom now, probably (laughs) not, I'm listening to a podcast, Uh, (laughs) but I'm interested in starting my own business. What advice would you have for me?
1: So first, I think you need to be very passionate about your business idea.
2: Mm.
1: I think there's that kind of concept that, oh, it's so glamorous to start your own company and to be your own boss, but it's actually a very difficult journey and there's, Mm. of course, ups and downs, as you've heard (laughs) from Mm. my own experience. But I think if you are very passionate about what you do, then you won't uh, quit because Mm -hmm. you'll keep on going, even during the difficult times, and um, the passion will keep you driving and overcome those obstacles. So I think that's Mm -hmm. important. And I think, um, secondly, it's important to also find time for yourself because Mm -hmm. you need your own physical health, mental health in order to work on the business. Mm -hmm. And because of what happened previously, obviously, that that was difficult for me during that time when I had burned myself and I was always very tired. And uh, I think it's important to find that, yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, work-life balance, even when you have your own business, because otherwise you will just burn out. Mm -hmm. And I think also third, it's important to have that support network. So like that community, but also uh, more specifically like business advisors and mentors Mm -hmm. who you can work closely with especially if you're a solo founder, because you can Mm. bounce ideas off of them and to have those uh, close network, you'll be able to uh, overcome also difficult times. For example, when I lost a pallet of tea, Mm. to have someone to tell you, uh, think outside the box and just there to cheer you on. Mm.
0: Yeah, I guess it's glamorous until it's four o'clock in the morning and you've got second-degree burns <laughs> and you're trying to kind of push through. And if you're yes. not passionate about it, yeah. that's, that's the point where you give it up, isn't it? That's the point where you think, out oh, this isn't for me anymore. Like, I, I can't be doing this every night anymore. So, you know, it's really good advice, I think, to make sure you're passionate about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Should we try some tea?
1: Yeah, of course. So, mm. I have brought some here, Matcha Oat Milk Green Tea Latte and the Earl Grey Oat Milk Classic Tea Latte.
0: So, which is your favorite?
1: Uh, a lot of people ask me this, but because you know I'm like the mother of mm. <laughs> these products, uh, I I love them both. But the matcha is more caffeinated; it's similar okay. to a cup of coffee, but doesn't give you the crash of coffee caffeine because uh, it has this uh, amino acid called L-theanine, and it balances with the caffeine mm. so that it's slow releasing and um yeah right. so I'm, the matcha is good for in the morning cool. I think
0: I'm a coffee addict so let's try yeah. an alternative <laughs> to coffee I think
1: yeah really and idea. the Earl Grey also has caffeine but um it's less caffeine and you can have it in the mm. afternoon and if you like traditional black tea um British people tend to really like the Earl Grey flavor mm. yeah. I hate Earl Grey
0: oh okay <laughs> 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 there's something about the taste of I've not tried your tea I'm sure it's amazing no, no, uh, yeah. a regular Earl Grey tea doesn't for me normally yeah try this one
1: yeah, some people have told me they want English breakfast. And uh, another flavor we're working on is like a turmeric flavor. <clears throat> so uh, that will probably be the third mm. flavor that we launch.
0: That's really good. And it really tastes like bubble tea.
1: Oh, that good. You <laughs> kind of do the
0: bubble tea flavor. Yeah. You know, yes. I guess it's tea. Yeah, it's thing, But you can yeah. really taste that it's actually tea. Yes. If you know what I mean. That's mm-hmm. really nice. Remind us again where people can buy Humanity.
1: So uh, right now we are stocked on the Imperial College mm. Union Shop. Uh, which is just in the Sherfield Building walkway. Mm. And near Imperial, we're also stocked in Partridges on Road. So those are some uh, places mm. nearby. Uh, and we also stocked in like the Vietnamese shops like London mm. and uh, the uh, Asian supermarket called Si and quite a few independents across mm. London and around the UK. And we're also stocked in Ocado mm. and of course our online shop and uh, we will be in co-op from October.
2: Hmm.
1: And yeah, feel free to check out our online shop and you can use the discount code, TEA BREAK15 for 15% off. So that's another deal.
0: (laughs) Tina, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me and have a nice tea break (laughs) this evening.
0: Thanks again to Tina for coming in and sharing her story with us. I always love to hear about the businesses that people are building, and it really sounds like Tina's hard work since she founded Humanity in 2018 is paying off, with shops starting to stock her drinks and travelling around the world on trade missions with the Department for International Trade. I'm still blown away by that story of her working through the night and selling during the day. That really is one of those gritty founder stories, and like I said to Tina, if you aren't genuinely passionate about what you're doing, that would be the time that a lot of us would call it a day. And like I said to Tina, it's all very glamorous until it's four in the morning and you have second degree burns. But she didn't quit, and a few years later, she's starting to get the recognition that her hard work very clearly deserves. I think Tina really has the networking and social commerce side of things figured out, and I'm looking forward to seeing where humanity goes in the future. I should add too, I tried the old Grey tea after the recording and it was delicious, so I definitely recommend it, but my favourite was the matcha. Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed it, please don't forget to hit subscribe. And why not share it with a friend too? I've been Chris Roberts, and I'll see you next time.